You are listening to the When Life Stops podcast, season two, with your host, Daytola and Stella. We are both moms who have loved and lost, and we're so glad to have you listening. Every week, you would hear more about our stories, some relatable interviews, as well as practical tips that you can apply to help you find new meaning after loss. Let's dive in. Welcome to episode three, season two of the When Life Stops podcast with your amazing dynamic duo, Daytola and Stella. Yes, yes, yes. We're back. We're so excited to be here again with you. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us and for your comments on last week's episode um, where we talked about moving forward after a business fails. Thank you again. And please keep the comments rolling in. Today's topic is on moving forward after the death of parents. And we're very excited to be interviewing another amazing guest, Opair Malomont. Uh, she's the founder of Letters of Hope, an organization that supports the bereaved and those who love them, bringing hope in times of despair. She's happily married with two adorable children. Yes, and I must say, I just have to plug this in, that Okwe is also um, an amazing member of my Super Working Mom Academy community. Um, she's, she's just amazing. Um, you know, we've worked together extensively, but yeah, I would keep it short. I will not talk so much, you know, but I'm just so excited that Okwe has agreed to come speak with us today about some of you know her journey and some of the amazing work that she's doing right now i mean just thinking about it i lost my dad earlier this year right and we know that losing a parent is inevitable it's an inevitable part of life at some point we are going to lose our parents but i think what makes Opa's journey special or unique is that she lost her parents as a child mm. right mm. and so um we want to be able to just hear from our, our guest today on her experience of losing a parent as a child her journey mm. the effect it had on her as a child and even now as an adult and how she has found new meaning to life after her losses and of course you know everyone's experience is going to be unique so i just want to kind of hear we we want to share with our listeners and we want them to hear opera's journey her unique journey so let's let's dive in let's dive in so Opa, do you want to say hi do you want to say hi to our, to our listeners hello 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 good morning thank oh. you so much for having me on your show i'm so excited to be here thank you very oh, very much welcome 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 thank and you nice so to, much <laughs> and nice to meet you as well stella um nice. so my name is Oppa Malomo, as you as you said um yes i'm married and i've got two kids um so a bit of my background before i got married um i'm the youngest of five children um I lost my parents at a very young age. Um, I wow. lost my dad initially when I was six. Um, and then five years later, I lost my mom. Wow. Um, wow. 
So for me at that point in time, I don't think I knew of anyone else who had Mm -hmm. lost a parent Mm -hmm. or even both parents. It was Mm -hmm. a real shock to my system. Um, I actually felt like God was punishing me for something, like Mm -hmm. I had done something wrong. Um, I just couldn't understand it. Like, wow. Um, I don't even think I'd even seen any movies mm-hmm. about a young no. child losing both parents. It, was, it wasn't mm-hmm. normal at all um, for me or in that time of my life. Um, but it's been an interesting journey mm-hmm. so far. And in fact, this Sunday that just went past 15th of August and uh, was my mom's anniversary. Oh, wow. Um, 28 years anniversary and I woke up that morning and I had to calculate I was like how long has it been again how long Mm. and then I started giving thanks that wow I'm at this Mm. phase now that I'm having to count and remember whereas Mm -hmm. there were times past that I knew how many weeks how many months how many years Mm. but now for lack of a better word I'm starting to forget how long it's I knew it's been a long time but I'm having to remind Mm. myself how many years so Thank God for his grace over, over our lives. Um, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Eesh. Six wow. and five years later that you would have been six plus five. Eleven. 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 Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. My days. I felt that. I felt it in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, wow. I mean, tell us um, a little bit, what was the bond like between mm-hmm. you and your parents? Okay. Um, yeah, what, what was the relationship you had with your parents? So I would say with my dad I was six and I was quite young but also he used to travel a lot so he wasn't really at home a lot so I wasn't um particularly close with him um because he wasn't he wasn't around much and um, but at the same time we had a special bond because I was the youngest of his children and um he had me in his late 40s so I was I've been told I wasn't, I was the last card. I wasn't really planned. I was unexpected. Um, and then I was also told that he actually gave me my name. So my wow. full name is Eyima Tofokwe Olua. And it means this is enough to give thanks to God. So my wow. mom had some challenges during pregnancy and during birth. And she almost lost me and also wow. lost her life. So when all the drama was over, you know, he was so thankful and he said, wow, this is enough to give thanks to God. So I would never forget that, obviously, because my name came from him. Um, but yeah, I just used to look forward to him coming back from his trips and bringing things back for us. So away things, um, you know, food stuff or items that we didn't have readily available in Nigeria. Mm. So that was what I mm. really missed about my my dad. Um, and I must say that after he passed away, as a child, I was just glad that my mom was still there. So mm-hmm. for me, I didn't feel the effect so much as a child because I was closer to my mom. She was my main mm. carer yeah. and she was there. Um, so even now when I when I speak to children and I or I um, was what supports other people. I'm always looking out for who is the main carer in the mm. family units because it's really that bond that is special to the child. Um, so my mom, yes, of course, yeah, she had me in her mid forties as well. Mm. Um, I was special to her, but we really had a close bond because her other children were much much older than me. Um, mm-hmm. 
like the eldest is 15 years old as you can imagine the gap and wow. the, the child just before me is um six years older than me wow. and so she really I was very special to her um so her death was a real shocker to my mm-hmm. sister um, mm. a real shocker but with my dad's one my mom was still there family yeah. members were still around my my support system was still nothing really changed much for me mm-hmm. when my dad mm. died I could see the changes in my mom's life I could see how it impacted my mom mm. but me mm. as a child yeah everything more or less remained the same. I didn't change school. I didn't move house. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody left at home. So my surroundings were more or less still the same. Whereas with my mom, things changed drastically. Mm-hmm. And this is when it impacted me. So mm-hmm. again, one of the things I consider in supporting people is you know, having their structure remain the same if possible, as much as it can stay um, stable because mm-hmm. it does have impact on the child mm-hmm. well, wow. Wow, <laughs> wow 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 so can you just share with us mm-hmm. you know some of the changes because you mentioned that you know your world changed drastically mm-hmm. you know can you just share with us some of the changes that you know happened yeah oh I will so um let's just say my family unit it was myself my mom my brother, who was in um, boarding school at the time, I think he was just finishing his um, YEC or SSE. Then I had a cousin um, that used to stay with us, similar to my age, maybe she was a couple of years older than me, but um, she used to live with us. And then I had, I think, two uncles as well, older. Um, they used to live with us. Just As you know, back then in Nigeria, you have family members that stay with you. Um, so first thing was my mom went into hospital and so when she went into hospital my brother went to stay with her and so I couldn't I wasn't allowed to stay at home by myself with uh, those cousins Mm -hmm. so um, I was taken to someone else's house Mm -hmm. to stay there whilst my mom was in hospital well, where I stayed was just a few few houses down the street. So it wasn't far away. It was with my cousins that I was familiar with. Um, then within a couple of days or so, my mom passed away. Or well, maybe it was a week. I can't remember the details now. Mm. She passed away. And my brother came to get me from there and brought me back home. Then my sisters used to live abroad at the time. Well, they still do, but they were living in England. So they had to come home. I think they were home within a couple of um, days mm. now they came home we had the funeral um, but then it was kind of decided that my brother it was best for him to move to the UK mm. um, and then I would stay in Nigeria when I wasn't a British citizen so I had to apply for a visa and all of that my mm. brother was so it was easy for him to come over and start his A-levels mm. Um, I went back to boarding school. I, I was in boarding school at the time, so I went back to okay. boarding school. Um, but then things like my holidays changed. You know, okay, the first few I wanted to come home, and so they had to find someone that would be in the house with me, that would stay in the house with me. Um, and then over time, it was like, okay, she can't be in the house. Um, so I started going to different people's for my. Mm. 
um, half term, um, Easter break, summer break, and and then all of that, which I didn't mind sometimes, but other times I was just like, I wish I was at home, mm-hmm. um, but I could understand why I couldn't stay at home anymore. But you know, like things that were familiar to you, your surroundings, yeah. you know, even where certain pictures were, where you put your things, all of those were changing. It's, it's amazing how having structure is so mm. important to children you know the things mm. that they're used to the environment that they're used to anyway so that carried on for about a couple of years um my sisters would come home for christmas or some breaks i think the biggest shocker was when i got my visa and i had to move to the uk so i moved when i was 14 um i moved to this country that i had been on holiday a couple of times but coming on holiday and living in this country are two completely mm, different, two different things. things. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, because I came in August, so even the first week, first few weeks in August were still fine, you know, going shopping and all of that. It was when I started school. Mm. Um, wow. You know, me, I was confident where I was coming from. Um, <laughs> but coming to the like UK, <laughs> coming to the UK and... You know, first of all, they would make fun of your accents. Mm-hmm. Who's this person? And then I was mm-hmm. quite studious. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they took, some of the kids took kindly to that. Mm-hmm. Um, being studious and also being a loner are not very good combinations. So if you don't have friends and you're mm-hmm. very studious, those are reasons why people will pick on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened a lot in, in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, even things like, so I was, I was fresh from Nigeria and there was, there was a certain way that I used to dress. Like I wasn't keen on trousers mm-hmm. per se. And so when my sisters were buying the uniform, I was like, oh, I just want skirts, skirt and tie to be okay. When winter hit me, nobody told me before I went to go and get trousers. Um, things like the food, all of that was just shocked too my much. sister too, too much, much. Yeah. and then the environment so mm. you know in Nigeria even if you're plucked from one person's house to another person's house you're still surrounded by a community of family yeah. yeah now coming to England so I was in Manchester mm. and I was living with my older brother then um I just miss that community of mm. family. There is a bond you have with people that are not necessarily your immediate family, mm. but you still have a strong, close yeah. relationship with them. So my cousins, my uncles and aunts, I just miss them. Mm. So I would do things like writing letters back home, but it wasn't oh. the same. Mm. Um, you know, and anyone was coming back from Nigeria, they would write me a letter or they would send me stuff. I would say, would well, send me Nollywood videos, things like that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it was just just getting used to this country, the mm. the, the way things were, the way of life. You know, my, my siblings would tell me, well, you need to watch EastEnders and Coronation Street so you know how they speak and you <laughs> can speak like that. Mm. I'm like, what? Um, so yeah, that took, that took getting used to. Um, okay. Slowly but surely. Yeah, oh how many years days. later? <laughs> oh my days. That, wow. I mean, not only have you lost your dad, your mom, mm. you've lost your um, familiar environment, your home, you've been moved around. And, you know, like we always say um, on the podcast, grief isn't just confined to bereavement, mm. moving home. So mm. it's like you had like 
almost how many losses happen mm. to you at the same time. Mm. So can you walk us through some of the emotions that you were feeling? You've, you've told us what happened. Mm. Well, in terms of the emotion, from the emotional side of things, what was going through your mind and how in all of this were you able to grieve? I mean, of course, at that point, you probably didn't have a language to it that that was what you were doing. Mm. But how were you able to grieve your parents and then the whole change in environments? Walk mm. us through some of that journey, the emotional mm. side of things. I would say that, <laughs> let me just focus on after my mom, because that's okay. when I became an orphan. Okay. And uh, that was a real shock. Mm-hmm. As in, I, I was just in shock, like, what is going mm-hmm. on? It took me a while to really process mm-hmm. what it meant. And I was afraid of what my future would look like. Mm-hmm. As in, my, mm-hmm. main, my biggest concern was who would care for me? who would look after me because as a child you just knew that your parents were your care Mm -hmm. your siblings are your siblings Mm -hmm. your uncles are your uncles Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd watched films that when things like this happen some relatives would come and take the children Mm -hmm. and look after them I'm like which relative is going to take me um you know I just had all sorts going through my mind so I was afraid of the future I was I was kind of anxious, nervous about the future. I just kept on saying, where was I going to go? And of course, that even played out in the first two years before I got my visa because I was going from one place to the other. Um, like, where did I really fit? And then my, my, one of my sisters got her close friends to kind of um, look after me. And, um, she's, she's Caucasian, or she's mixed race, actually. Um, and she did her best to look after me, um, but I was very angry towards her, mm. very angry. And funny enough, when my sisters came from the UK and this friend was around, um, I was quite close or jovial with her, yeah. um, you know, but then once everyone went back to their usual mm-hmm. environment and it was not me and this person, I was not like, who is she? Mm-hmm. How does she fit into, the, into picture? the whole picture? Yeah. I was like, you don't know about my life. You don't know what I'm going through. So I was really upset with her in particular. And she was probably one of the kindest people to me. Mm. But I couldn't open up to her. So what I did was I shifted all my emotions and anger onto this person. It was easy for me to fix my emotions on her. Oh gosh, I was horrible to her. Very horrible. We still talk about it to this day in jest. Um, And there were other, so I had another very close family friend, um, two sisters that took me in and I was much kinder to them. But this particular person, it was just easier for me to fix my anger on her um so yeah I was angry I was bitter um then when I went back to boarding school a different level of fear kicked in because you know we have things like lights lights out at night time um, and you get dark I didn't have control about when the lights would go out and so this is when my nightmares kicked in um I I had heard stories of why my mom passed away and why my dad passed away so young. Um, I'd had people talking in passing. They weren't mindful that there was a child around. I had 
taken up those stories and mm-hmm. imagined more and formulated a bit more. Mm-hmm. So nighttime when when everything was quiet and dark was when this even played out more in my head and I would begin to have nightmares um so the boarding school I went to yes we had lights out but sometimes the lights would even go off as in there was no gen or anything like that so I used to be scared of going to the toilets at nighttime and because just walking down the corridor and going into the toilet so I'd rather stay in bed and mm-hmm. so at what age was this? Between 11 and 14, I started bedwetting again mm-hmm. because I was scared of actually getting out of bed to walk down the corridor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thankfully, the, the, my bunk mate at the time was very gracious. Um, mm-hmm. She didn't spread my news all over the place. She just, <laughs> she just made sure that, you know, I did the necessary clean up, dried my mattress and, and all of that. Um, but it was terrible, terrible so much so that even after I moved to the UK, I was still having nightmares because mm. I, I felt like they, somebody came to get them and whoever got them was coming to get me very soon. Um, and it took a while. I'm telling you, it took years for me to acknowledge that um, God allowed what happened. Mm. And it might have been caused by somebody or nobody or whatever, but if God didn't want it to happen, mm. it wouldn't have happened. And mm. it took me years, decades to know that um, in spite of whatever happened, mm-hmm. everything is actually turning out for my good. Mm. You don't want to say that to someone early on. Oh, mm. sure. You don't want to say that to someone in the middle of their grief, but I can say that now, decades later, having seen so many things and seen the hand of God in so many things. Um, Even yesterday, I was was talking to my sister about this, and her view was, uh, maybe there were sacrifices for us to save us from something. So we all have our different views and theories about this, uh, but we can say this years later. Yeah. Not, not wow, I mean, okay. thank you for just breaking that down. And back to what you said about not telling a griever, like, oh, things are working out. Sometimes they need to get to that conclusion for themselves, and mm. it might take them years. Mm. But I like how you've also shared some of the, you know, the um, symptoms, for lack of a better word, of mm. or response to grief. And I think it's going to, in our next episode, where we are going to be focusing on helping children with loss. We're going to be pulling out some of those things you've actually said about anger, bedwetting, mm-hmm. you know, because a child is looking for an expression, a way to express their grief. Mm-hmm. And so when we begin to see these things, we know it might be a cry for help. Mm-hmm. Stella, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that because, you know, just listening to you talk, mm-hmm. you know, I can so relate. You know, I lost my mom at age, um, I, I think a few months before I turned 15, you know and my mom although I still had my dad you know it was it was such a life-changing you know event for me you know and you know I had I was saddled with uh, uh, an 18-month-old sibling wow yes so when I lost my mom my sister was turning two that month you know wow turning two um two months later you know, and it was just so, so, so overwhelming because, 
I had this all of a sudden responsibility now and everyone turned to me mm. to look after <laughs> look after this child and I'm like how why mm. you know so I lost my my sense of my childhood in a sense and I lost my mom mm. and one of the things you talked about your you know that we you know your reactions was I started having mood swings mm. you know I started having lots of mood swings mm. I became a really angry teenager <laughs> you know and relate. yes a really really angry teenager and I, I have morphed from this very happy-go-lucky girl to this serious angry you know, life is hard. You know, if you came around me, I would give you a sermon, <laughs> you know, and it's just so, you know, these are things that we we, we take for granted, the, the kind of impact losses have, mm-hmm. you know, talking about holiday time, you know, we were moved from one auntie's house to another, you know, not even knowing if I was going to be visited during uh, uh, midterm breaks, you know, the, the hesitation to go home, you know, and and all of that, watching other children with their parents, you know, come around for visiting day and you're like, hmm, if my mother were here, my mother would have cooked this rice for me. If my mother were here, she would have noticed you know and I mean my dad did the best that he could at that time because he was also grieving and grieving in the way that he knew best too which you know wasn't helpful (laughs) you know so I I I I hear you you know it's it's really really difficult losing you know a parent at a young age it just throws a curve ball into your already confusing life so thank you so much for sharing all of this so one of the things I wanted to ask is you know I know you mentioned that you know you had that lady who showed you some kindness Mm -hmm. what were some of the other things that people did you know that that was that showed you kindness and really comforted you Mm -hmm. during that time and what were some of the unkind things (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think generally people were really kind to me. Um, You know, they tried to go out of their way to make me feel comfortable. Um, But the truth of the matter is, you know, none of those things would bring my mom back. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if I'm honest with you, I felt guilty for even wanting to enjoy life. Mm. I felt like I shouldn't be happy. Why should I be happy? So I remember my very first birthday after my mom passed away. My sisters were in the UK, but they'd asked their friends to organize um, party packs for me. Now, if you've been to boarding school, you know that you don't do party packs in boarding school. But they wanted to make make it really special, (laughs) extra. So they had all kinds of goodies, all kinds of chocolates and snacks that... To be honest, if my mom was around, she would not have done it. And those snacks, mm. maybe I would have seen them only at Christmas. But man, it was good. It was great. And you know, in boarding school, when you have things like that, it's also mm. a way to win friends. Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're a fan. Exactly. <laughs> so it was awesome. It was really nice. But deep down, I was like, ah, should I be enjoying this is this right for me to be enjoying this this is not right um so the the happiness was short-lived um because i i was holding myself back from fully enjoying the moment and if i'm honest with you these things actually shape you yeah they shape you into who you become as an adult so 
as Stella was saying earlier, I'm actually a very serious person. Um, I take life so seriously. But people that knew me as a child would say, this girl was so cheeky. She used to be up and down. If I show you some of my baby pictures, you know, I was always here. It took me, it's only in the last five years that when I smile, you know, you see my teeth. Mm. You know, there was just a stern look that some of my, my passport picture when I was coming from Nigeria to here, I was so like, <laughs> where are they taking me to kind of mm. everything is just serious even if you speak to my husband now we tell you ah okay leave a little enjoy mm. life my 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 son is only six going on seven when I say to him hurry up hurry up he say why I say ah time waits for no man you know mm. time is ticking you don't mm. know tomorrow that mm. why are you asking me to do this one I said because I'm teaching you to do it now because I might mm. not be here tomorrow Mm. and I should not be saying that to him mm. but these things shape you because yeah. you want to make people res- you mm. want to make your children responsible that if you're not here they take you down how are we talking about kindness so people went out of their way to make me comfortable um, but it was not necessarily what I needed wanted mm. maybe it might wanted. have been what I needed, needed. but maybe yeah. not what I wanted wanted um you know so maybe an uncle and aunt Farry might say yeah come there's room in my house and they'll take me to their big house but i'll get there i'm like why am i here by myself my brother is not here um, mm. my cousin that i used to live with is not here i don't know anybody here like what you know it was just it wasn't really fun to enjoy i wasn't really enjoying those things um the other i'll say that the the next best thing that people did for me was actually i don't want to say leading me to christ because i already knew god but just helping to build my faith and sharing the word of god with me helping me to understand the nature of god the character of god because i really needed to know god for myself don't forget i was what 11 when when um, my mom died up until then I really saw God as um, Father Christmas, Santa mm. Claus, you know, somebody that I would write a note to, to say, oh, I want this, I want that, and then I would get it. But when my mom died, mm. I had to learn that God was not just Santa Claus. I had to learn his entire character. I had to know him as a father mm. because my earthly father was no longer around. Mm-hmm. I knew him as a a provider but in a different sense not of giving me sweets and chocolate or mm. whatever dress but provider knowing that okay you know where am I going to stay who's mm. going to look after me how am I going to do in my exams who actually has my best interest at heart mm. you know what I mean you know that there are some programs you go to now um okay one of them is mother's um uh, this woman runs it, Reverend Funke. I can't remember yeah. her name. Mm. Yeah. And she's it's for mothers. Yeah. And she's yeah. asking them to pray for their children. And the, the, the very mm-hmm. first time I attended that meeting, even though Mother I was summit. Meant, Mother Summit. Yeah. Yeah. Mother summit. Even though I was meant to be praying for my own children, I ended up crying. Mm-hmm. And the very first time, this is not recent, I was crying that, hey, these mothers are praying for the future of their children. Mm-hmm. They're praying to break bondages and all that. Who is Who praying for me? me? Mm-hmm. And then God said to me that, uh-uh, 
Say, me, I'm your father. Don't worry. I've got your command. It's not about who is praying for you. Me, I have got your plans laid out. You just be obedient. So that really shifted. It. I had to go through that to shift my mindset about um, God as a father. I think the other time I broke down was when I was at uni and we're running the Alpha course and it was around who does God mean to you? Mm. And um, there were a lot of foreigners at uni and, you know, they didn't really understand God. Like, why would people say God is their father? God is the savior. Mm. Da, da, da. And I was just looking at them that, ah, if you know what I've gone through and you know how this <laughs> person has been here for me, mm-hmm. you will know that there's nobody else you can rely on. And I just started sharing my experience and I burst out crying like, mm. ah, he's truly my father because my earthly father is not here. Mm. Yeah. And this person has been watching over me and providing for me and protecting me, especially because of those nightmares I had. Yeah. I really thought somebody was coming to get me. So Thank for you. me, it's like he had built a shield around me and kept me safe. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would not um, underestimate the the power of just sharing the word of God with bereaved mm. children, drawing them. I, I feel like Giving, giving to them in bite size. So don't force yeah. it on them because they need to go through that experience themselves and draw close to God. In fact, God will draw them closer to himself. Um, but just feed them with the word little by little. And over time, um, they will discover God and learn to lean on him because the truth of the matter is even your mom and dad, if they're alive, they will not be with you 24-7. So you have to learn to depend on the only dependable person um, and rely on him so yeah those are some of the kind things i remember just people taking me to church sharing the word with me without forcing it on me Mm -hmm. um people trying to make me enjoy special occasions like my birthdays um that you know i didn't have to be mourning all the time taking me to nice places just trying to make me have fun as a child because Mm. I was as if I was growing up very quickly but trying to make me enjoy life with other children as well and you know I had cousins who were in Nigeria at the time but used to come here on summer holidays and so they would make me come and spend my summer break with them and I'll go to places like Alton Towers Mm. um places like Chessington go ice skating things just to make me have fun exactly. with my exactly on kind things ah to be honest i i struggle with that question i don't think anyone was particularly unkind to me except for the children at school but they were not being they were not being kind because um of what i'd experienced it was just more fresher in school mm-hmm. um it's just what children do really mm-hmm. you know, picking on others if there was anything unkind I would say people sharing stories or mm. or saying things in my uh, presence in my presence mm. um so things that maybe they shouldn't they shouldn't necessarily say in front of a child mm. um because there are a lot of theories about mm. how they passed away and what was going on and the truth of the matter is we would never know the full picture of it full yeah. picture of anything yeah. mm-hmm. anything you know there are people that have died 
this year, last year due to COVID and, you know, we say, what if this, what if that? There would always be what ifs. Yeah. What ifs? We would never know the full picture. We'll never know the full why. Yes, we can ask God. He might share a bit with us, or, you know, but the full picture would never know. So I really, I really um, struggled with hearing from, I think from the day one that I had my mom passed away, when visitors came around the house, people were in shock. And because mm. they were in shock, they were just saying a lot of things that they shouldn't, <laughs> yeah, that they shouldn't say. Um, and people will talk, so you can't stop people from talking. Mm-hmm. My only ask is just be mindful yeah. of who can hear you, especially young children, children. because they take those things to heart. And yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. 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 You've said a lot. Thank you so much. You know, and one of the things that I really wanted to, you know, unpack was um, that fear you had about your future here as a mom, having those internal fears. Oh, my mom wasn't here. She didn't do X, Y, Z for me, you know, you know, and I could so relate with that, you know, honestly, like I told you, my mom died, you know, when I was 15. And I, I remember just having this fear about what kind of mom I was going to end up being, what kind of wife, who has taught me. No one has taught me X, Y, Z. You know, obviously my mom did a great job, you know, but I had just this internal fear about what my future was going to be. My mom was not there. Who do I ask? You know, I don't know who to ask. You know, she knows everything. Now she's not here, you know. And what you talked about, you know, turning your attention back to God. You know, I had given my life to Christ, you know, in at age 13. So when my mom was ill, my first big ask to God was, Lord, heal my mom, <laughs> you know. And when he didn't, you know, I was like, ah, God, you know, I've just come to know you. You can do all things, you know. But one of the most, you know, I think another thing that really helped me was that God was present and I could feel his comfort. And one of the things that he told me was that he was going to bring other women my way who were going to play the role of mother to me, you know. And I, as, as at that age, I was like, okay, God, who is it going to be? Who is she going to be? And he said, don't worry. They are going to play different roles in your life. And that has been the case, you know. And I really just want to, you know, encourage anyone who is listening to us who has lost a mom or a dad and is feeling like, oh, God, you know, I'm missing out on. God is your father. God is your mother. And God will also bring earthly fathers and mothers your way that will play specific roles. You just have to be open. You just have to be open because, you know, when you're closed, you're not going to realize it, you know. So thank you so much for um, for sharing that. Thank you for your openness and your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we really do appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I can so relate with that. Like every stage of my life, there has been a woman, a lady Ooh. or a woman that has been there to guide yeah. me through each phase. Um, you know, I think personally, I have needed more of a mother figure so far yeah. um, than a father figure. And for every single phase of my life, there has been someone. Mm. If it hasn't been my older sisters, there's always been somebody there mm. um, to guide me through those phases. So yes, 
whatever your need is, the truth of the matter is I've even found out that before I open my mouth to tell mm. God, ah, he already knows that need. So he's bringing somebody or preparing someone to meet that need. Um, especially as a, as a bereaved child, you, it would never leave you nor forsake you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just draw closer to, to God. Wow. <laughs> I mean, just hearing you both talking about your experience of losing your mothers. I mean, like I said, I lost my dad in January this year. But even though my dad was like the, you know, he was the strong, how do I put it now, the male presence in the home. Mm. I've been thinking about it. I'm hearing you talk now. It's come back to me. I feel like my mom, when my mom eventually dies, again, when one parent has died, you begin to think, hey, I hope mm. he's not following soon. I just have this <laughs> feeling that it's going to, shake my world more than mm. my dad then and i think it just goes to show the role of mothers mother. in the lives of their children yes yeah. daddy is you know there is doing daddy things but because mom is the main carer like you said and the one that children well in most cases i would most say cases, all, yeah. in most cases you know you tend to rely on mommy more i just like I'm already dreading mommy dying. I'm like, God, please just keep her, keep her alive, you know. Amen. And um, I know um Opa has already mentioned some in some ways that um your loss as a child is impacting you on your parent journey. But I want your own parenting journey. I wanted to share with is there any other ways that you find that your loss is still impacting your journey as a parent now? Hmm. So I would say that I'm very thankful that I have people around me that have walked the journey and I can look up to as mentors, as mothers, as sisters. And so if I need guidance, so to say, there are people that I can I can reach out to, my sisters, my mother-in-law. Um, but that's not to say that I don't have moments that I wish my own mother was actually there. Mm-hmm. Um because my, the other thing is my sisters would always be my sisters. So that was another thing that changed with my loss. All of a sudden, they felt, and I guess as a matter of fact, they had to take on the role of mother in my life. But for me, they're like, you're my sister, not my mother. Mm. So that caused some friction at some point as well because it's like we had to change the dynamics of our mm-hmm. relationship. For some, it was easier to do that for others it wasn't so much easier because especially because I used to live in the UK and I was in Nigeria so it was as if I was getting to know this uh, my siblings getting to know them Mm. better but also having to know them as mother figures rather than ah it was it was challenging and Um, my mother (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you're not my mother, but then I was also of a culture that you can't necessarily speak up. Say that. So mm-hmm. I was keeping a lot of things internalizing. In, <laughs> but in internalizing certain things, it it would eventually blow up. Or yeah. I would act them out in a certain way. Yeah. Even though I wasn't mm-hmm. speaking, my attitude or my language would say yeah. a lot of yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to challenges as a mother. I would say that the biggest challenge I faced was when I had my first child. Mm. Um, I guess I was just emotional. Um, My mother-in-law was very happy, very happy. This was her first grandchild. And 
but I was just feeling a bit low like why is she this happy my mom should be here too um you know why is she so bubbly my mom should be having this even though my son wouldn't have been our first grandchild um I can't remember the <laughs> exactly as the last one maybe mm. number seven I think mm. it was um at the time yeah the mm. seventh grandchild but I just wanted to have to share in that joy that joy. my last child is having is having a, a first baby and um so I I if I'm honest, I think I took some of that emotions out of my mother-in-law um, in the first <laughs> few weeks. Like, oh, leave me alone, Jerry, that kind of thing that, you know, I was just... And then oftentimes, maybe when my first took his first walk or maybe if he did something, I'd be like, oh, I wish your grandma was here to meet you. Mm-hmm. Those were the times that I probably mm-hmm. missed them the most. Mm-hmm. But in terms of parenting challenges yes I have my moments but I then know who to call on or I Mm. go to God so yeah I I think I I struggled more when they reach certain milestones and I just Mm. want to share that joy with my mom like Mm. your own baby too is a mother now Uh -uh." Mm. you know and I think I'll probably feel the same when I my my 40th is coming up Mm. next year and I'm thinking my mom will be like, my baby is 40. Ah. Wow. So I think I'll probably have the same yeah. emotion mm. again um, next. Because it's a joyful thing mm-hmm. to see your children progress in life and reach yeah. certain um, levels um, that you had prayed or hoped for. Mm. Um, so yeah, but you, I'm at a stage now where I have those emotions, but I can move forward much yeah, quicker. quicker. Whereas before it would take me, I would wallow in them for mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I, can, I have them, but I know that, okay, you got to snap out now. Yeah. And um, yeah. Having the emotions, is, is, it's, it's normal. It comes mm-hmm. with the territory. It's yeah. knowing how to move forward and how to like bounce back mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Still you know, talking about parenting, you know, I had um, last year, last year, uh, my, my um, in-laws, um, I lost my father-in-law oh, and so it brought the whole conversation of, of, of debt, you know, with my, my children. So my son is seven, you know, and I had had this conversation with him about losing my mom, you know, and after my, my father-in-law died, I think the conversations around debt were becoming a lot more, you know, and he started asking questions like, mommy, how old was your mommy when she died? How old are you going to be soon? Are you going to die when you're this age? You know, and I began to realize how much fear, if not, you know, if we're not careful, how much we can instill fear in our children, you know, based on our own experiences. You know, and so I started having conversations, a lot more conversations with him about life, about death, about who plays the role in determining who lives and who dies, you know, and how you just normalizing that conversation, you know, because the last thing I want is for a seven year old boy to, you know, start counting his mother's birthdays, thinking, oh, my goodness, when did grandpa die, when did mommy, you know, so it's something to be aware of and, you know, 
for everyone who has experienced loss, you have we have to be careful the signals that we give to our children, you know, the the, the biases that we don't even know, and you know, <laughs> the, the 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 conversations that we have around those subjects mm-hmm. so that our children don't have fear yes. instilled yes. in them, you know. So yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> My son is always talking about heaven and uh, okay not always but he often talks about heaven and one day he said to me oh i i can't wait to get to heaven yeah my son says that too i said really he said yeah i said i said wow so because it's so beautiful and i'll get to i'll get to meet your mom and your dad Mm. and it's so beautiful there i said how do you know it's beautiful what do you think it looks like? Then he started describing, oh, it's white, it's this. Oh. And I, I've never yeah. spoken to him about what it looks like. Even me, I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> like Young man, stay here, stay here, don't go yet, just stay. You know, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I actually have to tell Zane, I said, see, God created you and you've got lots to do here, you know. So God will call you back when you've done what you need to do. So make sure, you know, so that, you know, there's that understanding of while you're here on earth, there is life to be lived. Enjoy. Sorry, I was going to say, because obviously his brother is in heaven. He's always like, I want to go meet my brother in heaven. In fact, he goes the new heaven and the new earth. Oh wow. oh wow! Oh wow! Fast talk in my house. Oh wow! Yeah, I think I think it's lovely that our children can have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the African setting, you can't speak about death in front of an elder. You know, it's like shoo. You know, don't say that. God forbid. You know, but these are conversations that need to ha- be had. You know, your child should be able to come to you and say, Mommy, I'm scared. Mommy, I'm worried. Mommy, I'm anxious. You know, so if you're a parent and you're listening, you know, and you've never had this conversation, you know, <laughs> with your children, you know, if you need support, you can reach out to Ope, you can reach out to us, you know, because we need to have this conversation. Yeah. My son what he wants to be when he grows up he's like oh i'm still thinking of it but i would like to send packages to children who have lost their mom or dad i'm like ah so because he knows about what i do um Mm -hmm. he knows how much joy would bring to others (laughs) (laughs) how much joy brings them so i'm like okay that's good but what else would you like to do but he keeps coming back to this thing mm-hmm. the first time he said it his dad was the one that I heard and told him to come and tell me I was like it's amazing what those children pick yeah. up yeah. yeah but that, that would be you passing down the legacy yeah yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's beautiful it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful wow still talking about parents um so how would you say you keep the memory of your parents alive yeah. if you do uh, um, so I would say that in the early days or early years, um, we would have like memorial events. When I say memorial mm-hmm. events, okay, let me start with my mom. When my dad passed away every year, we would have like a small service or small gathering and would fry Akara and kind of give it to our neighbors. Mm. Akara is bean cakes just to say that we're remembering oh, no, that. How, how I miss <laughs> <Yeah>. bean cakes. <laughs> I'm 
sure it's making very big pops. Yeah, so big ones. And I used to look forward to taking them to the neighbors because mm-hmm. then they'll remember, ah, oh, my this, the child of this. And they'll give you money to say, God will look after you. He'll bless you. So go around and get, collect money. And when she, <laughs> when she died, mm-hmm. I think my siblings probably did similar for a couple of years. Um, but one of the things I didn't, I didn't speak about earlier was after my mom died, I think all of us grieved differently as expected yeah. Yeah. and one thing I struggled with or I struggled with was that we didn't really talk about my mom then in those mm. early days and for me she was a core part of my life somebody I lived with every day and then all of a sudden people stopped talking about her yeah. mm. and so I was like it made my grief worse okay I couldn't I couldn't name the emotion as grief then but she just made whatever I was going through worse. Because I'm like, why are they not talking about this woman? They were doing everything to make me comfortable, doing mm. everything to make me happy. But the person in the center of this, nobody was really talking about her. Um, and that really hurt. Um, I think it even made me angry with mm. some people. But then I would say maybe decades later, we started gently talking more openly about her I think we're now comfortable to a certain degree that maybe we wouldn't upset each other by talking about her mm. or you know we realized that we had for lack of a better word matured to a certain degree mm. to handle it um so we, we now we discuss them openly we'll oh. make jokes about what they used to do but at least the first five years it wasn't so um so yeah the after my mom died the first couple of years maybe my siblings would do things similar like make a car but we wouldn't give neighbors it would just be for us um and then kind of fizzled out that we would do what each of us wanted to do um we didn't do anything collectively Mm. i would say and then as i grew older and understood more about grief and bereavement, I started finding my own um, ritual. So I I might take the day of work if it's on a weekday and just just spend time and by myself with God. Um, I would have a look through some of the pictures that I have. Um, Mm. I will find someone that I know was comfortable talking about her and Mm. just want to share some of those memories with that person um yeah that's that my 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 dad's one was particularly challenging that month of may i just used to i i hated that month if i can say that Mm. one um so every time may was coming up i used to get scared or just really worried about the month of may until i got married um because i got married in may as well and then all of a sudden it was just a (laughs) turn around I remember my very first anniversary was when he shook me there. I'm not scared of me anymore. Oh, ah, wow. So I'm getting married oh. in May. Was that coincidence? Or did no, you know? it was just it was just um we wanted a spring wedding okay. and a bank holiday weekend, and that was when the venue was available. Mm. So the first that one. Set I, your opinion, I know, I didn't realize. <laughs> um so now I would say that we don't do anything 
as a group oh. for those anniversaries. But I just give thanks and just mm. I look back and count my blessings like I did on Sunday. Sunday, even sometimes, I don't think my husband forgets now, but in the early days, I had mm. to remind him that oh, it's the anniversary. Mm. So this Sunday, we didn't do anything as a family. But me, I knew that I was counting my blessings, writing in my journal, saying, wow, you know, we now have nine grandchildren. Glory to wow. God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, sorry. And before, on anniversaries, we could go without even talking about them. Mm. Uh, but now one of us, I don't, I used to wait for someone to tell me how to grieve or show mm. me how to grieve. Now, I don't wait for anybody. Mm-hmm. Like in our, in our family platform, I think I was probably the first one this year to say something. Whereas before, I'll be waiting You're for waiting. someone to say something. And when they didn't say anything, I'll be so yeah. upset. That's it. Why mm. now this eh. but now I'm like eh. everyone just deals with things differently. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for for sharing that, you know, and everyone would, you know, keep memories the, the way they know how, you know, and it's important to honor that. And yeah, so thank you so much for sharing that. You know, so sorry, I have a question about the memory stuff. Sometimes I struggle in the sense that do you, I mean, of course, there are different anniversaries. So there's the death mm. anniversary, there's the birthdays. Mm. I mean, those two. So for you, do you still celebrate mom's mom and dad's birthday, or do you remember them on their birthdays? And then remember. Anniversary? Yeah. How does that work out? So we remember them on their birthdays for sure, especially yeah. the big milestone. I remember mm. when when she turned 80. So when she would have turned 80, she died Ooh. when she was 50, 55, yeah. Um, now, when her friend, her best friend turned 80, and I saw, oh, gosh, this is going outside to the world. <laughs> when I saw it on social media, I was like, I cried, oh, oh. I said, ah, God, this woman is still going till 80. Mm-hmm. I said, how you took mine? 20 something years ago Abba now God um, but I think I had to get it out of my system once I cried then I moved on very quickly so birthdays yes we still honor and mention of we don't necessarily come together to yeah. do anything so what I do sometimes is maybe I might bake because she used to love baking so I might bake or make something that I know she likes things like puff puff or whatever um, yeah. so we we do remember the birthdays mm. and uh, the death anniversary, but I would say more so maybe the death anniversary because it's mm. just most of the death one, like, wow, this is when our lives changed forever. Forever. She just shared a grief secret with us. Mm. <laughs> Everyone has it. We all have a grief secret. Yeah. True, true, true. So tell us a bit more about your charity. We know you you run a charity um, called Letters of Hope, mm-hmm. and also you are an author. So yes, tell us what inspired you to start your charity and what impact it has made on others. Thank you, thank you. I must say a big thank you to Detala for encouraging me and holding my hand through, mm-hmm. through writing my book. Uh, my first book, there'll be more to come. <laughs> my God, great. Um, so the book was actually inspired by the, the loss of a friend. 
um, a good friend of mine, she passed away shortly after childbirth. Um, she had an older child who was like nine at the time, and then mm. she had a, a second um, baby, and within five days or so, she passed away. Wow. And I would wake up every morning thinking about this nine-year-old. I wasn't thinking so much so about the baby, but the nine-year-old, I would just wake up thinking about what she was going through um, I was more concerned about the changes that were going to happen in her life um, I knew how close she was to her mom you know you know there's some mom and daughters that say oh we're best friends they were one of those BFFs um, she was very close to her mom's family um, siblings and grandparents but I knew that because her dad and her mom were um, separated I knew that things would change for her drastically mm-hmm. and it turns out that she was going to live with her, with her dad um, so I was just imagining would she have to change school would she mm-hmm. have to change home um, you know the emotions that she would go through and she was also a Christian so I knew that this would be a turning point for her faith she would either draw closer to God or you know she would get angry and bitter and might turn away from God so then I just had this nudging to write my experiences down for her um, so that she would read them at some point and she would know that she's not alone in this. There are others that have gone through similar. And so that was how the book was birthed, basically. It was specifically for this little girl, but it turned out that it was actually a blessing to a lot of adults in our community, African community, that had experienced childhood bereavement but didn't actually have the avenue to express their emotions or feelings Mm -hmm. and so they read this book and they were like they could connect they could relate to it wow it's Mm -hmm. like you put my emotions down on paper Mm -hmm. even my sis my sisters but my eldest sister who's 15 years older than me said to me it's as if you stole my journal Mm -hmm. because these are my emotions so I find that a lot of people in our communities are going through those things but they just move on or move forward Mm. without actually processing this emotions or putting a name to it or getting support or or whatever so I found that yes children could can relate adults Mm. could relate Mm. I I found that some children find it scary because Mm. I'm talking about losing a mom and dad and so Mm. oftentimes they've lost one parent and they're thinking does it mean I'm going to lose the other parents so there has to be encouragement for whichever child is reading the book to say this is one person's experience and it doesn't mean it's yours in fact by God's grace it would not be your experience um so that was the book and as time went on God led me to write a journal um and then because I have a passion for gift for gifting um it's one of my areas so slowly the, the book and the journal then turn into putting packages together for families um, that have lost loved ones. And so that's how the gifting side of Letters of Hope started in terms of sending gift of hope to families just to encourage uh-huh. them um, uh-huh. during the season of loss. And yeah, there's, there's so many aspects of it. I also support local charities um, in terms of um, children that have lost loved ones or so would visit them in their homes or have um, video audio calls online for a period of time just to support them through that initial um, 
weeks or months of their loss. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Thank you. And um, I remember yes. when um, we lost Murakio Kaleb, that Papa was such a huge support <laughs> to uh, my children, especially Mujola, who struggled a lot. Because he, I mean, he seemed to, in some ways, it seemed to impact him the most. He was the one that was asking mm. questions, so Akwe just mm. was a big help then. And I think even in my in that season, and I, I, I don't know if I've said this to you um, publicly or before, I think Akwe was one of the consistent people in the early days who would send me a message every day, just a word of encouragement. Mm. Sometimes I might not read it, but just seeing that Akwe had sent me a message just gave me it made me feel like I just felt comfort, like mm-hmm. someone had me in mind. So mm-hmm. I must say a big thank you to well, you for those days where people, after two weeks, people had moved on. But Okwe was mm-hmm. like a constant, constant you know, in my life in those dark, dark days. So and mm-hmm. again, I think when you've gone through grief and loss, you can almost, yes, of course, everyone's experience is different, but you can almost feel that, ah, this person is mm. probably in a dark place. And you mm, can yeah. sense that, you know, they're, they're not okay. So mm. I must say a big thank you. And I've, I've also been here, um, should I call myself one of our first customers? Gifts. So when someone, and that's one thing I always want to do, when someone has lost someone, I want to send them something of hope of comfort mm-hmm. so i'm like okay keep me up <laughs> i mean i wished i didn't have to come to you but the thing is death that happens death and taxes are mm-hmm. one of those things that that so yeah. i know that i can always go to up and say please just put me something nice to send mm-hmm. up to this family or this person so well mm-hmm. we're gonna definitely put your details in the show notes so like people want to people can connect with you yeah get gifts thank for you. their loved ones you know so that thank that you so we're gonna sorry just now. oh yeah you one more something. thing oh, um oh. so i found that within our community mm. african community oftentimes we don't want to talk about the loss we don't mm. want to go we see it as a stigma to go and see a counselor or to yeah. um get support so one way i've found to be able to reach out to people without necessarily forcing them or encouraging them to go and see a counselor is to send them resources. So yeah. this is why once I know that in the early days, you might not read those things, but at some point there'll be a reminder that, oh, somebody sent me something or oh, I can reach out to this person. And so I find a lot of materials online that I can share in terms of supporting children through loss or even um, adults as well. And you'd be amazed that your teenagers, your young adults, everyone grieves mm. in different ways. Um, yeah. So if anyone needs resources, you know, of course you can search for them on, on Google yourself, but you can also reach out and I have some resources that I can share. Awesome. Wow. Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Know, you. It's such a blessing to, you know, the body of the body of Christ and also mm. to community, our communities at large. So mm-hmm. anytime you feel discouraged, please just keep going. You mm. know, don't you will feel discouraged, which I'm sure you have at some point, at some point, but just keep going because someone out there needs mm. I I know the impact that you made in my family. So mm. um, let that keep you going. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So um, as we begin to round up now, where is there, what advice do you have for anyone who has maybe lost their parents? And even I know next week Stella and I are going to be deep diving into helping children with loss. But, so I think I want to ask you today: What mm-hmm. do you want to advise someone who's lost a parent, no, whatever age? It really doesn't matter. And 
the people in their worlds, especially mm. for children, what can we do quickly? No, not, not, I want you to share quickly rather, okay. not so what, what can we do quickly? What can we do to support children, children. who've lost their parents? Mm. So let me start with the children. Yeah. Um, I would say take one day at a time. You know, it's just so many things run through your mind. Um, depending on what age you're at or what would happen at school, university, or after I get married, if I, if you get married, children, all of those things will run through your mind. But remember to take one day at a time and find a trusted friend, aunt, uncle, someone that you can share your emotions with. I think I struggled the most with that. I couldn't really open up. So I kept a lot of things in. Now, if you if you really can't find someone to speak with, ask a grown-up for a journal, a notebook, somewhere that you can express yourself. Now, it doesn't mean that you're writing um, like in a diary format because not everybody feels comfortable with that. But even drawing out your emotions, drawing out what you're thinking is a good way to, to release those emotions. And then find the things that you enjoy doing. It might be that it's music that you like. It might be that you like reading, exercise, find something that you enjoy doing. And when you start to have those emotions, because they will come, yeah. they will come. They might not stay forever, but they will come. Then you can switch to that thing that you enjoy so for example you might be lying in bed and thinking about your mom wishing she was here and then you get quite emotional you gotta get a notebook and you start drawing your mom mm -hmm. writing what you miss about your mom write a letter to her to tell her what significant thing has happened in the last week or so what you miss about her or you can just take your phone if you have a phone or listen to music something to take your mind away from those emotions but at the same time you don't want to push the emotions away too much you want to actually let them out somehow so if you need to cry cry mm -hmm. don't keep your emotions in if you need to let it out please do so it's just healthy for you to do so um, some children find it easy to connect with others that have had similar losses mm. just to tax to say how did you cope did this happen to you did that happen to you but I know that other children don't like that it's like mm. it's a reminder of what they're missing out on or what yeah. they've lost so they don't want to to um mix so find what works for you because there'll be yeah. different things that work for different people and you have to try different things to know what works for you I think I've covered a bit mm -hmm. um on the children's side it's important though that you find someone you might not be able to name them as a mentor but a close relative a family friend somebody in your church somebody within your circle that you can trust and share your thoughts with and somebody who is also willing to talk about your loved one yeah that can share memories of your loved ones with you oh mommy used to do this oh daddy used to do this you know things that will make you feel good to the adult uh Wow. If, if it's possible, try and keep things as stable as you can for the child. Mm. If it's possible, try not to move them away from the house and try not to change their schools. Too many changes at the same time can be quite disruptive for the child. Um, if it's possible, you know, I know some people that want to remove pictures of the mm. diseased from the home because mm -hmm. they find it um, quite upsetting. But have a conversation with a child you know mm -hmm. for this period or season try and treat them as 
a mini adult, if I can say mini adults, ask them what they think. Mm -hmm. You know, don't just assume that they don't want the pictures there. You know, try and get their opinions on certain things. Um, you know, if there's a memorial service coming up, ask them what they would like to do. Would they mm -hmm. like to participate in that service? Yeah. What would they like? Some would say, no, I just want to sit still. Have a conversation with the child. Ask them what they're thinking of. Don't assume yeah. that they don't know what's going on. You'd be amazed mm -hmm. what children know now. And it's better the information comes from you than it comes from somebody outside really because they'll be mixed up and, you know, they might not get the whole truth. So it's also true that you don't want to share too much with them depending on the child's age but go with their leading the questions they ask you try and give them honest answers as you can for that season and then share some more um with them in the future as time goes on but the the, the main thing is try and keep things as normal as possible for the child and something significant has changed already you don't want to change mm, too many things. change too many things um, wow 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 oh okay i mean we can go on and on and on and on there is so much to unpack so yes. much so much to unpack and we really just want to say thank you oh, thank wow. you for your vulnerability and for sharing your experience of losing your parents with us we're so thankful for your life and for how far God has brought you. You're a clear, clear, clear example of how God turns pain into purpose, using your experience to equip, to encourage, to inspire, to strengthen others. And we pray that God will continue to use you mightily. Thank God for your charity. Thank God for your family. And we know that big things are coming god is going to do amazing things so Amen. keep at it keep at it keep it and well done thank you thank you so much again i also want to say thank you for being gracious and just coming to chat with us today on the when life stop podcast um we also want to thank our listeners um we hope some of what we've shared today you've found you know, some things to hold on to in what we've shared today, some things you can do differently, whether you're a child listening or an adult listening. And you know what, we want to encourage you to send us your questions. Um, maybe there's something we haven't covered on this particular topic about losing parents that you want us to touch on. Send in your questions. If you have any comments, if you want to share some of your stories with us, please put them on the podcast's comment section that you're listening on. And, um, you know, we're here for you. That's why we've created this podcast, to be able to have these type of conversations that not a lot of people are talking about. Mm -hmm. So definitely email us, leave us a comment on the podcast you're, app you're listening from. Awesome. We have come to the end of this episode. <laughs> Thank you so much, Okay, and to our Thank listeners, you. please don't forget to sub uh, to sub subscribe, share, give us a five star rating. Yeah, really uh, and we five stars. Yes, only do five stars, <laughs> and we pray that you found our discussion today comforting, relatable, and valuable. And we pray that you're able to glean tools from our conversation so that you too can find new meaning to life after long. So until next time, bye-bye. And thank you, Oprah, again. We really thank do you. appreciate you. Bye for <laughs> thank now, you. Bye. 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 bye.